Blog Talk Radio. Women have the power to transform this world. We can end crime and violence if we all agree to do one thing. Share. Let's share our wisdom, share our time, share our talents, share our finances, but most of all, let's share our love. This is The Female Solution. Join me, Naima Latif, every morning, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Standard Time, as we bring you stimulating discussions about the issues affecting our lives. If you're listening online at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash the-female-solution, press the blue button that says follow and get our daily topics every morning directly to your email and your smartphone. Hi, I'm Naima Latif, executive producer of the Female Solution Radio Show. We invite you to call in 515-605-9325 and participate in this daily think tank as we examine the challenges we face and develop solutions that restore peace and harmony. We are global transformers, changing the world from the way it is to the way it should be. We are one. Wherever we live on this earth, we are one human family. On behalf of our team of radio hosts, I'd like to extend a greeting to all the members of our family, whenever and wherever you may be listening around the world. To our family in China, Ni Hao. In India, Namaste. In Japan, Konnichiwa. In Korea, Annyeonghaseyo. In Russia, Zdrastutsye. In Germany, Guten Tag. In Poland, Dzień Dobry. In France, Bonjour. In Spain, Hola. In Italy, Ciao. In Egypt, Athen Wasalan. In Ghana, Akwaba. In Nigeria, Peleo. In South Africa, Saobona. In Senegal, Nangadeth. In Kenya, Jambo. In Israel, Shalom. In Pakistan, Afghanistan, and Saudi Arabia, Assalamu alaikum. Greetings, and may peace be upon you all. The Female Solution Global Radio TV Show invites you to an invigorating conversation with our team of hosts Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Time. Start your week with Monday Morning Mindfulness with Zelda Speaks. Tuesdays, Self-Self-Care with Jody Susan. Wednesdays, Repairing Broken Families with Naima Latif and co-host Kareem Hamid. Thursdays, Soulful Solutions with Dr. Debbie Green. And Fridays, Health and Well-Being with Viata. Saturdays, tune in 12 noon to 2 p.m. Central Time. First Saturday, Success Strategies with Jana. Second Saturday, Wendy Williams Esquire on Relationships. Third Saturday, Move Around with Deborah. And fourth Saturday, Wisdom with Mama D. Join us Sundays, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Central Time for Soul Purpose Healing with Beata. Call in and comment, 515-605-9325. Press 1 to speak to the host and be a part of the solution. And grand rising, and thank you all for joining us on this Wednesday morning on the Female Solution Global Radio TV Show. And we'll be right back in just one moment to have a fascinating conversation with fathers. Fathers, how do you handle a defiant 
child? What about if they're disrespectful and they don't care that you're upset? How do you correct that behavior? We want to talk to fathers today, and we'll be right back after this brief message, so stay with us.
I'm Naima Latif. Join me and my co-host, Kareem Hamid, every Wednesday morning, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. on the Female Solution Radio Show as we explore that relationship that is the foundation for our society, the relationship between men and women, husbands and wives. Join our discussion as we seek to repair broken family ties and rebuild our community. Listen online at www.blogtalkradio.com slash the-female-solution. Call in and comment 515-605-9325. Press 1 to speak to our hosts. Or you can join us live on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash the-female-solution. And grand rising. Once again, welcome to our Wednesday show, The Female Solution. And as always, we want to hear from you. Give us a call, 515-605-9325, and press 1 when you're ready to speak, because we want to hear your point of view. Now, we know on our fourth Wednesday of the month, we usually have our men-only discussion. Well, today our our co-host, Kareem Hamid, will be out, and he's got an appointment. And we certainly send our uh, thoughts and prayers for his success in everything that needs to be done today. But we certainly do welcome a couple of very wise men who may have some insight about today's topic. We know we've seen in the media and it's been all over the country. What recently happened in Chicago, but it's not just Chicago. It's something that we're seeing nationwide when our children just go haywire, when they choose to riot, they choose to tear up, they choose to be defiant, they choose not to follow any rules of acceptable behavior. And there have been many who have stated that we need to be tougher on our children, maybe we need to bring back uh, corporal punishment in schools, we need to bring back prayer in schools, what do we need to do in our homes, why are our children not fearing consequences, maybe we need to have more severe consequences. Well, statistics show that 87% of youth in juvenile detention centers come from fatherless homes. The fathers are not there. And this is perhaps a major reason why our families have fallen apart and our economies have been haywire when we don't have the foundation. And so when our children rebel and they are defiant and they are angry, Many times mothers don't know what to do. So we need to talk to fathers today because many of them are the solution. So I've got with us a man who, if you've been watching his shows, you know that he is one who has some answers to some of our Solutions, and we've got two doctors with us today. Yeah, there's a doctor in the house. 
<laughs> so we want to welcome to our show, and, and we hope the other doctor can get his camera uh, working so that we can see his face. But first, let us bring on our dear brother, Dr. Ron. Thank you for joining us today on The Female Solution, and we certainly appreciate your uh, insight on a topic that has been talked about across the nation. And definitely we need to hear from men. And uh, we want to most certainly acquaint our audience with your wisdom. Uh, So before we bring on Dr. Dorrance, Kennedy, uh, can you give our audience a little bit of background information on yourself and your show that they may listen to to hear your wisdom? Thank you for having me. I, I got to say this. This is a real early in the morning for me. <laughs> I have to try to answer questions and deal with the, the worries of the world, but I'm going to do my best. I appreciate it. And that. once again, thank you for having me. Um, I have a show that I do uh, religiously every Tuesday, um, Ask Dr. Ron's show, and I can be found on ask-dr-ron.com. My dear sister has been a a, uh, guest on my show many times, and we've had some very interesting conversations, and I guess she thinks I know some stuff. <laughs> well, you fake it pretty good if you don't. <laughs> well, uh, we're gonna see if we can make it come off this early, though. See, usually I'm an afternoon person. See, so I I usually rise to the occasion around noon. But we're gonna see what's gonna happen this time of morning. But yes, you can find all the shows that I'm on. If you go to my website, you'll be able to find. I do four shows a week on different networks. Uh, so you'll be able to find, I do guest appearances, as you can see. So uh, we're going to chop it up this morning, see what we can do. You know, I probably will not have a conventional um, thought process on this, but we're going to see. We're going to see. It might be more people agree with me than disagree. Uh, you, you, They just might. I think people are, are pretty desperate right now. Well, we always appreciate the men who uh, step forward with the knowledge that they have. And our next guest, he's also been on before, an author, and someone whose insight might shed some light. So we want to welcome to our show our dear brother, Dr. Ron Dorrance. Uh, Dr. Dorrance Kennedy, I'm sorry. (laughs) Early morning for me, too. Dr. Dorrance Kennedy. Thank you so much for joining us, and give us a bit of information about yourself and and your book and the work that you do. Uh, yes, uh, good morning. My name is Dorrance Kennedy. I'm a native of New Orleans, Louisiana, and uh, I presently live in North Carolina. I'm a professor of social work at Fayetteville State University. Uh, a couple years ago, I published my first book called Wisdom from My Father's Porch with uh, Dr. Jawanza Kanjufu of African American Images. Uh, so I'm a social worker. I'm a father. I have two children, 19 and 16, a uh, husband, ordained minister, 
and uh, all-around black man. So good to be with you. Yes. Well, I'm grateful that you both have been able to join us today. And uh, for those who are watching, our regular co-host, Kareem Hamid, who usually conducts these uh, last Wednesday of the month men-only discussions, he's out today handling personal affairs, and we certainly uh, miss his presence. But we do want that male energy that we get every last Wednesday of the month as we talk about how men see the conditions in our time and how the presence of men in our lives make a difference. Well, as we were speaking with Dr. Ron Ford here, uh, we have been the object of I guess you'd say criticism around the nation here in Chicago when young men and women chose last week to converge upon the downtown area, which Chicago being a tourist attraction, a tourist city that depends heavily on the dollars from tourism and people coming into the city, it had a major impact because now people are afraid. The young people came through social media. They made connections that they were going to come downtown. And, it's you know, some started really tearing up things, setting cars on fire. Uh, a couple of people were robbed. Some people were shot. You know, and it was really horrifying. And so now, because Chicago has just been named as the 2024 site for the Democratic Convention, the nation is wondering, can you people control your children? And as I was telling Dr. Ron, of course, our research shows that 87% of young people in juvenile detention centers come from fatherless homes. We've done the research. We know that most of our social issues erupted when our families fell apart and the men were absent, and particularly with young men not having fathers present in their lives for guidance and wisdom and what you call discipline, which doesn't necessarily mean, you know, physically hitting, but definitely teaching a, a adherence to rules of society. When that's missing, everything goes haywire. And so now when you get to the point where you have a teenager, and I have many, many female friends going through this right now, they've got teenage sons, 13, 14, 15, 16, defiant, angry, rebellious, they don't know what to do with them, and sometimes they're estranged from the fathers. But then they'll say, well, okay, I can't handle them. You take care of them now. Well, the, the child is all off the radar now, just totally defiant, and you've got to fix a problem, and it's not easy. So we want to talk about that first uh, issue when your child reaches the point uh, well, let's let's first deal with the male children because females go through another whole issue when they don't have fathers, and we'll talk about that uh, later on in the show. But first, when you have a male child who's looking for that father figure to model behavior, and that model isn't there, and so they choose a destructive route. What 
are some of the things that men can do to bring that child's behavior back into some some type of balance. So, Dr. Rod, I'm gonna I'm gonna start with you because I know you got you got a, a solution that some folks might <laughs> might be shocked at, but they might agree. Yeah, you know, you and I um, talked yesterday. Um, uh, the Queen was on my show yesterday, and we got an opportunity to talk in the, uh, during the show and then after the show. And I didn't get a chance to present uh, the solution that I came up with for some of the young people that are gathering uh, in the loop area in the what they would call the Gold Coast, where the money is at. And um, and that many people always frighten, um, I'll just say Europeans. They get scared. You know, when you get a thousand young people together, whether there was adults involved or any amount of people, a thousand folks is definitely going to shake up some nervousness and fear. So um, what realistically took place was a mob mentality. When you got a thousand people together, you're not dealing with a thousand individuals. You're dealing with a thousand people that begin to take on a personality of their own, and that's what happened. You also had, in the city of Chicago, you have uh, neighborhoods that are generally considered territorial, west side, south side, east side, north side, you know, they're all territorial. So when you get groups of people together from various parts of the city and they're not from the same territory, there was conflict. So I'm trying to dissect some of the demographics of what was going on with that many people coming together. So you had some folks on the south side that probably didn't like the uh, folks on the west side, and they they reflected that in fighting and and conflict. They don't speak the same language. So even though the language, common language, might be English, you know, there might have been some folks that, you know, just didn't want to get along with the west side folks, and they reflected that in some fighting. Uh, You also, in that mob, had some people that uh, came there for the purpose of criminal element. Criminal element knows how to use distractions to work within what's happening to get in and do what they do, like the robbing, okay? Uh, So they came there specifically for that purpose, okay? So um, when you have a situation that has so many different elements involved to it, you have to come up with a solution that will address, for the most part, some of the things that are going on. Well, if you are assigned to be the organization or the entity that has to try to bring peace in a situation like this, you have to think outside the box. So you're dealing with a large majority of crowd, mostly young folks. So you got to bring control without hurting or harming these children because you don't want to open up garden hoses or fire hoses. You don't want to stick the dogs on them. 
you don't want to go out there and just start beating them like they used to do in the civil rights era because that was a common practice for dealing with folks that were out of order, that were gathering, that were protesting, whether they agree with their cause or not. They just attacked them. They put fire hoses on them. They sick dogs on them, and they beat them. And that was their answer to deal with an out of con- what they considered to be an out-of-control situation. Well, I don't see that as a rational solution to dealing with these young people. What I came up with and, and um, what my sister's talking about was uh, I came up with an ideology that I thought would work because I've seen similar types of ideology in other areas when they wanted to try and take control of something. So I said, let's get some 53-foot reefer trucks and strategically place them around the downtown area. So when you have people that are starting to, the temperature is rising, property damage is taking place, you start snatching these kids up and putting them in these 53-foot reefer trucks, males in one, females in another, and you turn the temperature up on that trailer to somewhere around 32 degrees. So basically, you put these kids on ice. Okay? You just stick them in a trailer. Now, you check them. You make sure they don't have any weapons with them. And once you put them in that trailer, you leave them with their cell phones. Now, if they are a juvenile or a teenager, whatever the age may be, you tell them with their cell phone you need to call your parents and tell them that if they come, by the time daylight arrives, that they can sign you out. Because if they're of a certain age in the city of Chicago, there's a thing called curfew. So if they are out past that curfew time, then you can give their parents a ticket. And now you begin to document what type of child or juvenile or young adult, whatever they go by, you know, who they are, what what their situation is. Now we got a documented record, okay? You know, uh, Willie Jones showed up downtown to be a part of what's going on. His mama name is Willie Mae Jones. So now you got a record. You can document. If you have adults in this crowd, you just process them, period, because they're adults. And they more than likely are there to be instigators and or part of the criminal element of some type. Okay? So you just process them. You don't put them in a 53-foot it. You put them in a paddy wagon. Mm. Okay? So now you give these young people an opportunity to cool down, literally, you know, because you just threw them in a, in, a, in a trailer, where they now have to come together to stay warm. They got to learn how to get along with each other to survive in this 53-foot trailer until an adult from their family comes to get them. And hopefully somebody will come before the morning comes. Now, if don't nobody show up by the morning, now you you have a reason to dissect what's going on with that 
family in that situation. Brandon Johnson, the new mayor coming in, says that we're going to deal with uh, some of these issues through social programs. Well, now, if their parents don't show up, you have a reason to look into that family situation and find out what's really going on. What What's the problem? Why didn't your parents come get you when you requested them to come get you? And then you can offer the necessary services to that individual and his family situation to help them resolve some of the issues that might be happening. Now, I've described several different things that can happen from doing this, but psychologically something just happened with that young person too. If I'm a young person who got an invite to go downtown on my cell phone, and I got to get the cell phone for visual effect here, on my <laughs> cell phone, okay, and and I show up, but yet I got involved in some of the stupid stuff. I got thrown in this 53-foot trailer where it's cold with some people that I don't know, that I don't like or maybe don't like, but just don't know them like I need to know them to be stuck in a confined container with, I'm going to think about that. And next week when I get that text to come downtown, they're going to be like, oh, no, I'm not going down there because I was one of the people that got thrown in in the trailer, and I didn't like it. I didn't like the fact that I had to call my mama downtown to get me because I was out past curfew, and that didn't go very well for me. I didn't like it, and I'm not going. So now people begin to have a negative experience that they don't like, but, yes, it's a learning experience that my actions caused me to get involved in a situation that I didn't like. It didn't feel good. So when things happen, it becomes a teachable moment, so now you can pull back and say, oh, no, I'm not participating in that anymore because it didn't work well for me. Now, those that don't get caught up in the trailer, they might want to go back down there. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I didn't get caught, so I'm going to go back down there again until it happens to them. Well... and then they have the reference point of saying, oh, no, it was cold in there. Nothing but it was cold in there. <laughs> well, you know, I, I'm hearing a whole lot of folks probably feeling, you know what, that might work. But then others saying, but what about if more violence breaks out inside these cold enclosures? Well, we got a whole lot of what-ifs that could happen. We're going to take a quick break, and, and, and we're going to come back and hear what Dr. Dorrance Kennedy has to say about this idea and perhaps maybe some other ideas on how you correct the behavior of a rebellious, defiant child. Well, Dr. Ron has just given us a possible solution, and we're going to think about that. And we'll be right back after this quick break, so stick and stay. Don't stray away. Once again, our co-host Kareem Hamid is out today, but we want to still have our fourth Wednesday of the month men's discussion, and today we're talking to fathers to find out how do you correct the behavior of a rebellious, defiant child. We'll be right back after this quick break. So stay with us. Hi, I'm 
9 Latif. And if you're watching this, that means you're one of the 4.6 billion people from around the world who are using an electronic device to talk to people. In these times, people are using the Internet to talk to everybody. Friends, neighbors, family members, coworkers. People are on their cell phones and computers all day long. Now, if you're in business, that is great news. That means you can sell your products and services all day long and never have to leave your home. All you need is a media connection, somebody to connect you to an audience. And that's why I'm talking to you today. We produce programs, and our audience members are people who shop. They buy clothes, food, beauty supplies, cleaning supplies, home repair, transportation services, child care services, whatever you're selling, they need to buy. We're your media connection. Just follow this link, and tomorrow you can sit back and relax at home while your business is making you money. Global Radio TV Show invites you to an invigorating conversation with our team of hosts Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Time. Start your week with Monday Morning Mindfulness with Zelda Speaks. Tuesdays, Self-Self-Care with Jody Susan. Wednesdays, Repairing Broken Families with Naima Latif and co-host Kareem Hamid. Thursdays, Soulful Solutions with Dr. Debbie Green. And Fridays, Health and Well-Being with Viata. Saturdays, tune in 12 noon to 2 p.m. Central Time. First Saturday, Success Strategies with Jana. Second Saturday, Wendy Williams Esquire on Relationships. Third Saturday, Move Around with Deborah. And fourth Saturday, Wisdom with Mama D. Join us Sundays, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Central Time for Soul Purpose Healing with Beata. Call in and comment 515-605-9325. Press 1 to speak to the host and be a part of the solution. have an opportunity to transform the whole global society in the next 50 years. 
50 years from now, the earth will be populated by a new generation of adults, many of whom are yet unborn. Our mission is to nurture them in childhood with love, guidance, and protection, and to raise them in healthy, happy families. If we impart values of compassion, generosity, and respect for fellow human beings in the next generation of children, they will create a world where people can live together in peace. This is our goal. Be a part of the transformation. Get your copy of the book, The Female Solution. Go to www.naimalatif.com. That's www.naimahlatif.com.
uh, love is spelled T-I-M-E. So if the adults in the environment are not giving our young people positive attention, if they're not spending time with them, if they're not nurturing them, then in some ways we should not be surprised at some of the behavior that we're seeing. So I think we have to look at this uh, on a deeper level as a cry for attention. Uh, I think also what's happening in our communities is that uh, the adults that deal with young people have to be seen as credible. Uh, I think young people sometimes are very brilliant in seeing the contradictions of the adults that are around them. So I think uh, those of us that are teachers and try to mentor young people, we have to try to be credible and we have to be consistent in our words and in our behavior because sometimes we say one thing and do something else and our young people are watching and they definitely see the gap between our words and our actions. So I think that some of the behavior that we're seeing is a cry for attention we have to be credible, we have to be consistent, and I think uh, we have to uh, bring our culture to bear on this problem in a positive way. I remember reading one of uh, Dr. Jawanza Kajufu's books, and he was talking about in the school uh, context having a Malcolm X, Martin Luther King Jr. conflict resolution class. And I think another issue is that Young people need to be guided and taught how to deal with their anger, how to resolve conflict uh, with other people. And our young boys, our young men especially, need to be able to channel their aggression in positive ways. Uh, so in many of our communities, or in some of our communities, we need recreational activities for our young people. Mm. I see. Well, you know, I think uh I think you've definitely made some points that make sense. We wait too late to get involved and then at by that time then we're in crisis mode and that's kind of where we are right now. We've waited too late to intervene, and so now we have cynical, angry, um, skeptical young people who do not trust us because they've been disappointed over and over again. Now, one of the things that has been suggested on a number of, I've listened to a lot of different talk shows where people are upset and they're saying that we need to find the parents, we need to uh, penalize the parents, we need to jail the parents. <laughs> we're hearing a lot of punitive things and we're not dealing with the reasons for the anger in the children. So, Dr. Dorrance, what is your thoughts in terms of what is the root cause of the anger that makes them choose to act out in the way they are? Uh, well, once again, if uh, if the young people feel neglected, 
if they're not getting the positive time and attention and mentoring that they need, I mean, I think it's true all over the world. When young people feel like they have to figure the world out for themselves, it's going to be chaos and confusion. So uh, the bigger question, how do we as adults regain our credibility with our young people? Because when I deal with young people, they always say, keep it real, keep it real, keep it 100. And when they feel like the people that are dealing with them are not consistent. Now, our young people don't expect us to be perfect, but I think uh, we as adults have to be more transparent about our struggles, about our mistakes, and I think if we did that and we're more consistent and we go beyond words to actions, uh, we would have more credibility with our young people. I remember some years ago when the uh, radio show host, Michael Bayesden, put out a call for mentoring, and he was going all over the country, and he kept on talking about, I'm looking for men to mentor children and I just cannot get people to volunteer. Mm. So we're we're all so busy. We're so busy. We're talking about the issue, but being consistent, intentional in terms of volunteering on a daily basis, and this is not something that we can just be involved in when it becomes, rises to the crisis level. We have to do the work day in and day out. But uh, we have to go beyond words, find a way to channel this aggression and plug our young people into positive uh, recreational programs after school in the summertime. But once again, I think this is a cry for attention, and we have to ask ourselves, are these punitive approaches going to make it better? Uh, because we have a lot of families also that are financially struggling. We have single mothers that are trying to raise children. So I think we have to put all this behavior that we're seeing into a broader context. I agree. Uh, there's a there's a thought I'd like to throw out here, because we've had several generations of broken families and young boys raised without fathers. And if you can't see it, you can't be it. Now, you know, older men will gladly teach a a, a pubescent young man the intricacies of how to have sex, how to seduce a woman. But the context of family is missing. And we've had too many men who have been raised without the example of what a father is. So the fatherly instinct is not there. And you mentioned this. You said you can't hardly find men who will want to step in and mentor. You know, where are the little league coaches? Where are the track coaches? Where are the the Boy Scout leaders? Where are the men who are providing that social structure that used to be there for the young boys in our community. Generally, when you're not a father in your home, you're not a father anywhere. And that is what's missing. So now 
You have angry young men who don't have respect for men who abandoned them. And we have two or three generations of that. So now that's become a trend. So we have to do something different to fix what's broken. So how do you find men who are willing to step into this role of correcting the wounded child that these young men are that tear up things and shoot each other and all of those other destructive acts? How do you find men who have the wisdom to step into a broken situation and help in a way that's effective? And some other things I would suggest, uh, and we have a lot of single mothers. Uh, What my mother did with me, and I was raised in New Orleans in some challenging situations, uh, you have to introduce, sometimes you have to try to introduce your child to other men in the environment. I was introduced to reading and black history at an early age. So when I have family chats in my house, you know, we talk about Mansa Musa being the richest man in the history of the world. We talk about Benjamin Banneker and Richard Allen and Martin Luther King. So we, we have to increase the mindset and the possibilities of our children. Uh, reading allows us to take a trip uh, while we're at our house and expands our realm of possibility. And, you know, there are positive organizations in our community. We have the, uh, a lot of cities have 100 black men and other organizations like that. And there are organizations that have mentoring. There are rights of passages programs at churches. So especially for our single mothers, I think uh, they have to be intentional about getting their uh, young people involved in some structured, positive uh, mentoring activities. But in some cases, you know, our children may be in need of counseling because they feel hurt, they feel abandoned, they feel disillusioned, uh, they may be depressed. And and sometimes there's some deep-rooted issues and young people feel like they need a safe space to talk to somebody that's going to listen to them without judgment. Uh, So once again, I think we have to try to be more intentional about rebuilding the village. It takes a village to raise the child. And uh, like like I say down in New Orleans, you know, in some sense we don't have neighborhoods anymore. We just have living quarters. We're just living next to people. We don't have relationships with them. We have to find a way to rebuild the the village. But like I said, uh, there are no quick fixes to the solution. There are no easy answers. But we as adults have to try to regain our credibility with our young people and reconnect them to the positive activities that do exist in our community. Mm. Yeah. Can I jump in there? Yes, yes. What What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Um, first of all, um, you said a couple of different things. We got different levels to this problem that we have, and and like the like um like my brother has said, you know, if we have a problem with a child, it's been there for a while. Okay, it's not something that just popped up overnight. And as a parent, 
if you don't recognize the problems that you have with your children, it can evolve and grow into something larger. It never goes away. It's going to be there. So you're correct with understanding that if you grab a young person early on and get them involved in the necessary things that will put positivity into them, then they will be positive. Now, at this point, I want to shout out all of the coaches that we do have, all of the black men and leaders that we do have. Do we have enough? No. But we do have some. And the ones that we do have don't get acknowledged and appreciated for the work that they have done with the ones that they have grabbed hold to. And what I'm going to tell you what I mean by that. I used to do um, an internship. You know, many people don't know this, but I'm going to say it this morning. Uh, my oldest son got killed in a drive-by shooting. He was driving in his mother's car, and a straight bullet hit him in the head and killed him instantly. And during the time that I was grieving, I was doing radio shows to try and find out what we have to do to save lives in our community because I feel like my son's life was cut too short and I got cheated out of an opportunity to be a father to him, to help him become the full potential of his life. So I wanted to try and understand what's going on. Now, this was the summer. Now, he got uh, killed in New Orleans, my brother's hometown. I lived in New Orleans for nine years, so I have a special place in my heart for New Orleans, so I know about New Orleans. Um, but I was living in Chicago, and I interviewed as many people as I could that were on the front line dealing with all of the violence that was going on in Chicago the year that they, they coined the phrase, that Chicago was called Chirac. Nobody mm. liked that name mm. because we had more violence in Chicago than they did in Iraq at that time. So that's where the nickname came from. And people rebelled against it, but it was a fact. We had more killing on the streets of Chicago than they had in a war-torn country. Okay? Yeah. yeah. So trying to understand what was going on and deal with my pain and my hurt and my loss, I wanted to try and find out what I can do to be more effective with what I was trying to do. So I created an internship program to be around me so I can put my arms of protection around them in a safe space and then teach them a trade and a skill at the same time. I taught them how to do behind-the-scenes stuff in relationship to my radio broadcast. Now, I couldn't get everybody, but I had enough that I can take responsibility for and watch out for. Now, I'm happy to say to this day they've grown up, they have families, they, they survived. That's and that, true. to me, is a success story. And the reason why I'm bringing that out is because there are others coaches, martial arts instructors that have done the same thing. They see the problem up close and personal. 
they have snatched kids out of gangs and said, told the gangs, leave this one alone. This one belongs to me. And they had to back down because they weren't prepared to deal with the wrath of what that martial arts instructor was prepared to bring onto them for messing with one of the protected ones. Mm. So we have these type of things in our community, but we have more that are out of control that have been not embraced and not come upon. Because, see, I, I listen to what we got to do, but then there are those that are doing. We have people in our communities doing these things right now. One of the, the purposes of my show, and I know you and I talked about this yesterday, and I just want to say it again. We have heroes and sheroes in our community that mainstream media they don't ever talk about. And that's one of the reasons why I have the platform that I have. Is it a big show, like hundreds of thousands of people seeing it every day? No. But the people who need to see it, see it. And the heroes and sheroes that are in our community, they get acknowledged. They get to talk about what they're doing. They get people that are the messages for them, they get to hear it mm. because my message is not for everybody. My show is not for everybody. Mm. So I acknowledge those that I become aware of. I give them a platform. Come on. Let's talk mm-hmm. about what you're doing. And that that's important because there are, as you say, those who are really making a difference. We want to acknowledge them because they're there and they need more encouragement, more support, more involvement of those who are looking on the side, who are standing on the sidelines. So Jody Susan Calhoun, she's our Tuesday host of Self-Cell Care. She said, uh, Grand Rising, yes, thank you uh, for joining us. Jody said, yes, so true. We definitely have to acknowledge and get involved with those positive programs. And she said, also, young men have to heal their own inner child. And I want to speak to that issue as well. Because there are a lot of children, and this came out, especially during the pandemic, a lot of abuse happens in these homes. A lot of unspeakable things has happened at the hands of sometimes people who are respected community members, clergy. I mean, there's a whole, there's a whole organization of, of, uh, of people who have been abused by clergy. There's a lot of hurt that we don't talk about. But it doesn't go away. It gets expressed some kind of way. And when you have a lot of young people who have been verbally, emotionally, physically, sexually abused, and there's nowhere for them to talk about it, there's no platform for them to get healing, get counseling, get acknowledgement, get help. And if it's happening in their homes, where do they go? A lot of these explosions happening came after the pandemic when people were forced to be confined in their homes, and there was no escape from what was really uh, a a bad situation, a hurtful, painful situation for them to be in. Some young people, the only escape they had was to go to school. And so now you got to stay in the house with maybe somebody who's, who's abusive and mean and cruel and neglectful, and who do you talk to? So now we're seeing explosive behavior. And we've had we've had guests on our show that have talked about a lot of the 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 in home abuse that's happening by parents who really themselves are not well, 
emotionally because they were raised by abusive parents. And at some point, we have to acknowledge that everybody who has a child is not prepared to be a good parent because they were not parented properly and they passed the pain on. So how do we help people heal when they have been hurt by the ones that they trusted to love them? What platforms are there for, for us to address those things? Can I say something? So you got me woke now. Some of the problems that we have in America is that you're talking about parents that might be 10 or 20th generation crack babies. Mm. Okay. So, in, in I remember in the early 90s, we had sixth and seventh generation crack babies that were being sent in, uh, into the school systems, and the school systems were not prepared to deal with them, so they cycled them out, and they sent them to special ed schools for behavior disorder. Mm. And when those children got there, we had everything that you could imagine, okay, from first grade all the way up to high school. Okay, so the school system, especially in Chicago, their job is to cycle them out so it'd be somebody else's problem. Mm. You know, not, their job is not to educate children, but to just get rid of them out of their classroom. Mm. And, and, and my job in the school was the behavior manager supervisor. So they thought I was qualified to deal with all these crazy children, and I call them crazy now because I'm qualified to call them crazy. Okay, you know, people are afraid of that word crazy. Well, if you act crazy, you're crazy. Okay, you know, <laughs> you know, so you're dysfunctional on paper, but you're acting crazy. Mm. Okay, so when you come up in here with a gun knife trying to do somebody some harm, it's my job to take it away from you. So sometimes I got to equal your craziness in order for you to respect me. Mm. Okay, so yeah, now y'all know I'm crazy. Okay, so but I'm still alive. Wow. <laughs> okay, so but you're talking about children because they 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 don't have adult mentalities. You know, they're children. Right. Okay, and 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 they're they're acting only what they know. You know the the statement. You know that we are a product of our environment. Is very true. That that's true, and that's that's really what we're seeing. We're seeing a reflection of our environment now, Dr. Dorrance Kennedy. Before you, I don't know if you've got to leave us. I hope you can stay a few more minutes. We got to take a quick break, but I want to get your response to that. And we've got some callers on the line, and I'm sure they they want to address some things that you've said as well. Do you have a few more minutes? You can you can stay with us. Sure. Thank you so much. All right. We'll be right back after this quick break, and we invite you all to stick and stay. Don't stray away. We're going to go to our our phone lines also, 813-646. Hold on. We're coming to you after the break. And if you're on our switchboard and wish to press 1, do that as well. And we do have our our sister channel listening in uh, the uh, AM360 audience is listening in. 
Uh, I want to make sure if we've got callers on that switchboard that we bring them in as well. Uh, I may have to have the host who's uh, handling the switchboard call in to open her number uh, on 515-605-9325 because we want to make sure we get everybody to participate in today's discussion because we have to save our children. We'll be right back after this quick break, so we want you all to stick and stay. Don't stray away. We'll be back in a moment. After these messages. Have you ever dreamed of going to exotic places, meeting fascinating people, enjoying uplifting music, and spending nights in a luxurious hotel? Do you look forward to a relaxing vacation where you can walk along the beach or sit in a quiet park? and enjoy the sunset or sunrise. Whether you're flying around the world or driving across the country, we will share travel tips that will help you stay safe while you enjoy the journey. Join me every third Saturday of the month, 12 noon to 2 p.m. Central Standard Time, and move around with Deborah here on the Female Solutions Show. Call in and comment, 515-605. 9325 and press 1 to speak. Hey, it's time to take charge of your health. I'm Viata, your holistic life coach, and every Friday morning at 8 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time, I'm here on The Female Solution to empower you to make choices that will assist your evolution to abundant health. I'm also blogging every Sunday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time at Soul Purpose Healing, where I bring you a spiritual chiropractic adjustment to bring you back into alignment with our Creator's love, compassion, and wisdom. Join me every Friday morning at 8 a.m. and Sunday evening at 8 p.m. for a time of unity, enlightenment, and love vibration. Shalom. Female Solution Global Radio TV Show. If you're listening and would like to join us visually, you can go to YouTube or Facebook and type in The Female Solution and join me and my guest today, Dr. Dorrance Kennedy, uh, author, and Dr. Ron Ford, uh, talk show host, and and Dr. Dr. Uh, Kennedy, give us Again, the, the title of your book and where people may uh, purchase that uh, website or, uh, you know, Amazon, if they'd like a copy of your book. Uh, 
and that is wisdom from my father's porch. Oh, your sound went out. Check your check your mute on your computer. Make sure. Um, there we go. Again, it's wisdom from my father's porch. Uh, I published with Dr. Jawanta Kanjufu from African American Images in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's available on his website, AfricanAmericanImages.com. Fantastic. Yes, wisdom from my father's porch. And, you know, older men used to sit out on the porch and talk, and then, you know, that was the way a lot of times children kind of absorbed some wisdom and some insight. They'd listen to the old stories. We don't have enough of those kinds of safe gatherings with the elders that young people can listen to. And there there has to be a greater presence of men in the community on a consistent basis on a uh, helpful, healthy basis. That's what's been missing also with, I think, with the, with the breakup of the families. There's the absence of the male presence in a constructive, protective way. So now what we have are the reactions to the absence and, and what we see is the result of the absence and what Dr. Ron was saying about the several generations of, of, of crack babies. That's real. I mean, I see them in schools all the time. You have, because they're in pain, are there any platforms, any, any groups of counselors, therapists, or anybody who's listening to try to understand what they're expressing that you know of? Well, I would say uh, I used to be a school social worker, a public school social worker. So in in many public schools, there's a school counselor, there's a school social worker that might be a safe space or could refer parents uh, for further services. I'm also a member of the National Association of Black Social Workers. That can be another uh, avenue where uh, folks could get counseling, be referred to services. So like you said, uh, like you said, uh, Sister uh, Naima, that uh, we have a lot of abuse uh, issues in our community, and young people have been hurt. They're angry, disillusioned. They don't understand it, why this has happened to them. Uh, some young people may even blame themselves for what's happening. And when this stuff is not addressed and not resolved, it will cause young people to lash out. And I wanted to build on what Dr. Ron said. Also, we do have a lot of heroes and sheroes in our community, and we have to find a way to connect uh, people that are struggling to those positive programs and people that could help the situation uh, be better. But we have to, uh, as black people in the wilderness of North America, we are dealing with PTSD, post-traumatic stress order and post-traumatic slave disorder as well. So there's the abuse, there's the neglect, there's the witnessing of violence in the inner city, but uh, the root of this is our whole slave experience, and we, we, we have been traumatized, and there's still side effects to that trauma with our young people and our families. So once again, we just have to put it in a broader context, but we have to try to look at things from a strength perspective. I think sometimes when we hear about all these things in, 
and see all these things, we start to feel like we're under siege. There's no hope. There's no answers. There's no solutions. It's, it's bad and it's getting worse. And we still have to try to maintain hope and see the good in the midst of all the drama. Absolutely. And, you know, the, the, the slave experience happened to all of the people who were in the nation at that time. That is, all races are affected and traumatized in ways that we've not discussed. I think Trevor Noah said that we had had, like they had in South Africa, a, a, a truth and, and reconciliation uh, council to, to deal with a nation healing from a very destructive period, then we wouldn't have the the conflicts that we have now. A lot of whites who are afraid, uh, they uh, may even the the emotions run the gamut from fear to guilt to anger to resentment. If you haven't to talk about it and hear about it, and then you have one, three, six, four, six. Introduce yourself to our listening and viewing audience and give us your thoughts on this question. Fathers, how do you correct the behavior of a rebellious, defiant child? Well, I said before, uh, just a quick, from teacher, former public school teacher's um, perspective, bad days, particularly with children or teens, often start, not across the board, but there's a lot of cases of it, often start with questionable behavior in the house. So since we're, we're talking about a dad's thing right here today, you know, if, if your child sees their father or mother, uh, you know, in the morning and somebody, they, they see the third or fourth person come out of your bedroom in less than, in less than 12 months, they might have a tendency to start the day off bad and carry that off to school. Ooh. Where, as a former public school teacher, I would catch the brunt of that. But that's another story. Mm. Second story, real quick, it's a true story. A friend of mine has a, uh, a limo business, and he got a call one day that, you know, that's his, his booking agent book form for two stretch limos. So he had to hire an extra driver. The job was to go from Washington, D.C. to uh, King's Dominion, which is a, an amusement park uh, outside of Washington, D.C. So when he got to the neighborhood, he, he, he was suspect there first because it was a suspect. It was the hood, point blank. But when we, they got to the address, a, a kid that was maybe 11 or 12 years old came out and said, is this, you know, are these the limos for such He said, yes. So... A bunch, two cars now, these are two stretch limos. A bunch of 11, 12, and 13-year-olds piled into the car. They already paid. They had the money in cash. So these kids wanted These kids just wanted a day at King's Man. Now, how did these kids afford two stretch limousines? We're having some sound distortions in L.A. LA, we're having some sound distortions from your your phone. I'm not sure uh, was that we're having some sound distortions. I'm hearing a little bit about the the, the two stretch limos and the 11, 12, 13 year olds that piled into the cars. But then you had some sound distortions. I'm not sure. Okay. What about call. Is this clearer? 
That's better. Yes. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, these kids just wanted a day at King's Dominion. They they took themselves to King's Dominion. Now, how they afforded it, he believes it was drug dealing. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. They they made their money by cutting grass and shoveling snow during the winter time. Um, <laughs> but you give them that benefit of doubt. these days, with kids, if the parents don't do it, find a way to take them to King's Dominion or whatever they want in life. They're going to find a way to do it legally or illegally because now kids, you know, they can. I mean, gamers make money online. YouTubers make money online. I mean, they're they're young folks now that are paid off their parents' house by doing YouTube videos. So I'll just land my plane there. I'm glad you said that. So for everybody who's got a YouTube uh, channel, you know, you can make money from it legitimately and put out information. And speaking of YouTube videos. Our Monday host, Zelda, um, the HLN TV show says, Global Virtual Teen Talent Contest this Saturday. Uh, we want you to watch it right here on The Female Solution. Uh, helps youth display their natural gifts and talents, higherlearningnetwork.org. You can see it on the Higher Learning Network. And that's an excellent global program. It really highlights young people and encourages them, gives them scholarships and give them opportunities to, to get discovered, get start a career and whatever talent they have. Uh, she does an excellent job of finding young people all across the world who whether sing, dance, <laughs> juggle, paint, you know, whatever your talent or skill is to to uh, honor you and, and and highlight you and encourage you. And we don't have a lot of that happening even in the schools. The first thing they do when they when they cut uh Budgets, they cut out the artistic programs, they cut out the music programs, they cut out the sports programs. And these are things that the young people can build self-esteem with. A lot of times when we make educational decisions, they're the, the things that our children need most that get cut, even the counseling. Uh, Dr. Dorrance, you mentioned the fact that you were uh, doing counseling and, and working in the schools. A lot of times you have a person who maybe comes once a month. How do you how do you establish trust and 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 a relationship with children if you can only be at the school once a month because the school doesn't have a budget to have you there on staff every day? Children go through tragedies every day. If you're if you're if you're if you sat in the house and watched your your older brother uh, get shot by your father and he went to jail and you you going to school traumatized. How is the counselor coming, you know, a month away going to help? And, and, I mean, we have these things happening, and there is no help that is there consistently. And and something I want to uh, uh, mention uh, or, or point out that L.A. talked about, uh, when there is no father and the mother is dating, the, the man that she brings into that household has a tremendous impact on the lives of the children. And there are so many ways we can look at that, you know, women trying to figure out how they can get a man in their lives. Uh, sometimes they're exposing their children to their overnight guests. Sometimes their overnight guests are the ones that molest the children. That happens often. And having said that, I want to throw out this and I'm going to take the next call. Absent fathers, girl children, on daughters, because when the father's absent, a lot of times the daughter is 
subjected to a mother's boyfriend that molests her, and sometimes the mother doesn't know. Sometimes the mother blames her. I I know many, many, many women who've had that experience as, as daughters. I know many women who've had their daughters had that experience with a man that they brought into their lives that was not fatherly but predatory toward their daughters. And then you have daughters that are seeking love because their fathers are absent. They become sexually active very early, and then they get pregnant by a man who, a young man who was not emotionally or materially ready to be a father, and the cycle continues. A child being raised in a broken family, unwelcomed, feeling the unwelcome, and they grow up angry. And so this is a cycle that we get five, six, seven generations of this. And we have angry young men and women, frustrated, angry young men and women growing out of this condition. How do we, how do we stop the cycle? Uh, while you all are thinking, I'm going I'm to take another caller on our switchboard, uh, 773-436. Introduce yourself to our listening and viewing audience and give us your thoughts. Well, hallelujah. Greetings, Global Transformers. Is this the fourth Wednesday for the men? It is. However, our co-host, Kareem Hamid, is not uh, he, hes not able to come with us today. He had a doctor's appointment. So, uh, okay. we're, we're so still filling in. But, of course, we want to hear from our uh, – we want to hear some wisdom from Mama D, for sure. Uh, as we, absolutely. Uh, as, I just – I just came in late, and I didn't want to be uh, disrespectful. But grand, uh, hallelujah greetings, Global Transformers, Grand Rising. You know, Reverend Dr. Prophet King said, we've got to get the language straight. Negative words matter. They are injuries that do not show up on an X-ray but leave scars on the soul. So, ooh. They matter. In, 19, in 1954, the Brown v. Board of Education decision ruled that segregation laws were unconstitutional because they only existed to keep the status of the Negro down, and they caused heart and mind damage. They did not use the word crazy. They used the word damage. And that's what we should do. These are not crazy kids. Uh, in first place, a kid is an animal, a goat, a beast with four legs, and a child is a human being person with two legs. So we should stop beast branding and calling our children animals because at the end of the day, lion tongues destroy the body and the soul. And we are supposed to be uh, careful about that, which can do those two things, destroy not just the body, but the body and the soul. And every time you say a child is an animal, beast, or goat, you are a liar. And it's written in the Black History Bible book, whose hero is a woolly-haired man with bronze-colored feet to match his bronze-colored face, that a liar is worse than a murderer. So just kick that K word habit. It is out of order. And adults want children to be in order 
while they are following an example of parents who are out of order and they keep the disorder going on. And it needs Mm. to stop. It doesn't need to be cut down on. It needs to be cut out. Well, you know, Mama so, D, I know you've had an impact on a number of people who correct themselves in in, in using that term because you've been saying this a while. Just like women don't like to be called the B word, uh, you know, we don't want to call our children the K word. You know, if, if uh, great if you're a goat, but if you're a, a human being, that might not be a title you want to have, even though it's commonly used. But you did also make a point, which I think we have to look at what is being done in the homes and in the schools when the way I hear children spoken to is so rude, so mean. And a lot of teachers, this is the way they have been taught classroom management. If I humiliate the child that's acting out or being disruptive, then I put fear in the rest of the children that if they disrupt, then I'm going to humiliate them as well. That is the way Teachers have learned how to manage a classroom of 30 children, which is probably more than one person should be trying to manage anyway. But school becomes a place every day where children are subjected to public humiliation, public shame, ridicule by teachers because that's how they've been taught to teach. And I'm sure that as an educator you've seen this method being used by teachers who don't know any better. And as a result, children hate school. And and I understand why. Absolutely. Absolutely. And what is so horrible about that is supposed to a school is supposed to be a place where you go to learn, not where you go to get humiliated and put down. I remember uh, if a teacher, uh, if, if why are you concentrating on the ones that know the answer? You call on the same ones all the time. They know the answer. They have their hands up, and they are all smiling. And the school is supposed to be a place where you learn. But the ones that don't know, they don't dare put their hands up and say, I don't know, because they will be slam dunk. What do you mean you don't know? If you had been paying attention, you would know. So they are so intimidated until they don't dare put their hands up and say, I don't know, even though this is supposed to be a place for the ones that don't know. And your job as a as a teacher is to teach them so they will know, but after class, we're all huddled up together. Did you get so-and-so? So? No, I didn't, I didn't get it either. They're out there trying to, um, to figure it out on their own because the teacher was not clear. She is not going to say that she was wrong or say, now put your hands down, all the ones that know. I'm glad that you know, so put your hands down because I want to see the hands of all of those that don't know. So so that I can help them learn, yes, without exactly. humiliation. And, you, and you know, Mama D, I'm glad you, you brought that out. Uh, now, Dr. Dorrance Kennedy, his book uh, was published by Dr. Jawanza Kanjupu, who did some extensive research 
about what happens with with black boys, especially by third grade, they get they begin to get turned off by education because that very cycle of humiliation. And we know now that that this the the criminal justice system based their planning of prisons on third grade reading scores and test scores. And it's it's usually about that third and fourth grade time that young black boys get so discouraged from education. A lot of times they've had female teachers who have done just as you described, you know, humiliate them, uh, put them down. So they learn to hate school. They learn to feel they're going to always have their, uh, their, their self pride attacked and, and they become rebellious and defiant and they've got this using that got this female teacher, and if they're coming from a single parent female headed household, they're used to females putting them down, and they're angry, and actually develop a resentment toward women. So absolutely, now 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 you're getting it. Now you're getting it, and that's where it yeah. is. Uh, uh, um, I think uh, Spencer Leach was once uh, the warden of the Cook County Jail, and it was his job to uh, put out the future needs of prisoners. And so his study revealed if you're not reading at grade level by the third grade, you're headed for jail. And his his uh, that was what in the early 80s, and it's exactly what is happening and it's happening on purpose while our schools were closed and the United Nations came out and, and set up a decade, 2015 to 2024, which the 10 years is up next year, to deal with the police killings of black men and boys. If they had said black and brown men, maybe something would have been done. But they said black men and boys, massive school closings, and disproportionate arrests. Trump, yes, Trump did something about the the uh, disproportionate arrests when he signed that second chance bill into law. And but what is happening is we are not realizing the impact of these massive school closings and that when our children do not uh, know how to read, it's over. This is built-in failure at the third grade level. And we have just got to realize that and change our language and love our children into shape and stop this whipping into shape because the Army said so. I've got to whip you into shape. Stop that. (laughs) We bent out of shape. There we go. Well, we got to take a break, Mama D. We thank you so much, as always, for adding your wisdom. Of course, you can hear Mama D on uh, our fourth Saturday here on the Female Solution, 12 to 2 p.m., and we want you to call in 515-605-9325 and talk to our guest today. We got two doctors in the house, Dr. Doran Kennedy, uh, author of Wisdom from My Father's Porch, and we've got Dr. Ron Ford of As Dr. Ron TV show, and we want you to Definitely tune in and hear some of his wisdom. 
And and uh, Zelda from HLN TV show says, teach Mama D. <laughs> you got an amen over here. We're going to come back and talk to our guests and get some reflections on. Can you stay with us? Did you go and stay a little bit? Everybody's awake? Okay. <laughs> We're going to come back and get your responses to some of uh, what you heard from our guests, our, our, our callers, and take a look at this relationship between police and our youth. It's not helpful. But this latest escapade has made people think we need more policing. Is that helpful or is that more destructive, non-fatherly kinds of relationships between men and boys and men and girls that we don't need? So let's talk about that when we come back. And if you're listening online and want to join this conversation, give us a call, 515-605-9325, and press 1 when you're ready to speak. And we'll come right to you and get your thoughts and you're listening to and watching the Female Solution Global Radio TV show. And we are having a discussion. Fathers, how do you correct the behavior of a rebellious, defiant child? We'll be right back after this quick break, so stay with us. Hi, this is John Alexander. And I'm Nyla Latif. Meet people like you who are making a positive difference in the world. Watch us every day on the Media Connection at www.youtube.com slash the Media Connection TV. YouTube it. We'll see you soon. There are people who choose to make a positive difference in the world. Our job is to bring you their stories to motivate you to do the same. Join us each week, hosts John Alexander and Naima Latif, as we bring you the educators, entertainers, elected officials, religious leaders, and community activists whose works are transforming this world. Find out how you can make a difference, too. Be inspired. Watch the media connection. sent the monthly sun bill today. This sunlight is really expensive, especially during this season. I'll probably have to work overtime to pay it. Well, you better pay it on time. We don't want the sun to go out and we're sitting up here all day in the dark. Wouldn't it be terrible if God charged us for sunlight? Well, 
Thank God, the light and heat from the sun is free. So why are we paying such high bills for the energy we use in our homes? Because we don't know how to use solar energy, the free energy from the sun. You can convert your regular home to a solar energy home and save tremendously on your electric bill. Take a look at your electric bill. Wouldn't you like to reduce or possibly even eliminate that cost altogether? Let one of our solar consultants show you how. Call today, 312-849-3456 and schedule a free consultation. That's 312-849-3456. Come back in there. I'll be off there. And we are back. You're listening to and watching the Female Solution Global Radio TV show. I'm Naima Latif. And, of course, as you know, usually our fourth Wednesday of the month is a men-only discussion. However, our co-host, Kareem Hamid, is out today. And we still want to hear from the men. So today we have this question. Fathers, how do you correct the behavior of a rebellious, defiant child? And we've had some interesting uh, comments from our callers. I want to ask the two of you your uh, opinion on this very dysfunctional relationship that we have with the police. Uh, There was a time young boys wanted to grow up and become a police officer. It was a noble thing. And I've got friends who are police officers of both races, and, you know, both blacks and whites and, you know, some uh, Hispanics even. Uh, and there's such a toxic relationship. First of all, for police, they they live in fear. They have bought the media hype and, and imagery of the, the gun-toting, uh, defiant, angry black man. And so a traffic stop results in fatality for our, our young people driving a car. If they're driving a nice car, they're treated like they stole it. So we have all of these dysfunctional encounters between our young men and the police officers who are supposed to be out to serve and protect. But they're out here in a state of fear because of their conditioning. And then we do have some young people who because of the circumstances of their surroundings, you know, maybe they got to deal with the gang violence. I think Mama D mentioned the, uh, the school closing. You had children trying to go through territories of other street organizations, their lives threatened. They are carrying weapons for their protection or whatever the case may be. And I had students who were in gangs. That was like this is like our social club. This, this is my, my, my people. They got my back. You know, my whole family's in a gang. That's how we survive. So there's that reality. And then I got the, you got, got the young people just want to, you know, get out, get go to school, find a job, or start a business, be successful. But they're typecast, and they get attacked along with everybody else. And those are probably some of the ones that are going to end up attacked as a result of this latest surge of, 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 of defiant behavior. They're minding their own business, but they fit a profile in the minds of the police. So we're going to see some of that. So how do we fix this? This, this bad relationship with law enforcement and the imagery, particularly of young black men and now even young black women, 
uh, of as being people that have to be contained, confined, controlled, repressed because they're destructive. How do we fix the relationships that have now emerged as a result of what has happened? So, uh, Dr. Dorrance, I'll have you go first. <laughs> Take that question. <laughs> How do we save the world in, you know, 30 words or less? <laughs> <You know? laughs> well, I mean, that's such a big question. Uh, and, and the funny thing, uh, in the aftermath of George Floyd, with all the marches and protests, we still have not gotten significant police reform uh, legislation because the George Floyd uh, Justice and Policing Act could never make it through the Senate. But, uh, I mean, I just think there's a, there's a need for uh, building bridges between the communities, but there's still a great need for police accountability. So, like what happened in Samir Wright's case, we have uh, bad officers. They do something in one place, and they're easily hired in another place. Uh, police need uh, psychological testing, mental health testing. They need cultural diversity training. Uh, we need more community policing where uh, officers actually live in the community that they police so they can build relationships with the community that they're assigned to. And, and then what we didn't talk about also, just this crazy gun culture that we have, and we have these Republican-dominated legislatures all over the country where they're saying that people don't even need permits to carry uh, guns now. Uh, the shooting of Ralph Yall in Kansas City, uh, people getting shot for going to the wrong car or driving in the wrong driveway. I mean, so this pervasive gun culture that we have in the United States, and this is just a, a, a big misinterpretation of the Second Amendment. Remember, some of these militias that they talk about, they used to send these militias to the slave quarters to make sure black folks didn't have weapons, and they used to send the militias to the Native American community. So we have a pervasive gun culture. We have a lack of police accountability, and we need more community-based policing where the officers are not seen, seen as some kind of occupying force. I, I agree. I agree. Dr. Ron, your thoughts? Well, um, I say this quite often. The government is broken, mm-hmm. you know, and it's been broken for a long time. You know, they they feel like um, they can dictate to the people what they want, and they should be trying to understand what the needs of the people are. I've said this many times before that the police are ineffective in their job because they have been improperly trained. You know, I use the example, um, there are four branches of the military, and all four branches of the military are all trained the same. They can handle uh, people from all over the world and based all over the world because they have universal training. They work together. The police all have the same training. Our police force forces throughout this country have different training depending on where you stop at. They all don't have a universal training code, so it's broken. 
You know, uh, if you are a black person going through Mississippi after dark, that's a criminal act, and they got a right to treat you any kind of way they want to, even in this day and age. One of the things that we as a group of people, as a race of people, we need to stop allowing police to treat us as non-human beings. They don't see us as human beings. So their mindset when they approach a person of color, black, brown, African-American, whatever you go by this week, you are not a human being. You are a threat, and they're taught that. So we've got to not defund the police. We need to re-educate the police. We need to begin to see everybody as a human being. According to the law, you are innocent until proven guilty, unless you're in Louisiana. They have Napoleonic law. You're guilty to prove innocent. Mm. It's just the opposite down there. But in other parts of the country, and there are other places like that, but they treat you as non-human. So the system is broke. I tell my son all the time, he lives in the suburbs of Tennessee. I said, boy, you you live behind enemy lines. And you need to understand that you're behind enemy lines. If people don't like you, you're doing a job. You show up at their businesses. Don't be trying to be friends. Don't take their food. Buy your food someplace else. Mm. You know, you have to, you know, and I and I have to talk to him at 31 years old like you, you're explaining to him about a video game because that's his world of influence. Mm. If you're playing a, a video game and you get caught behind enemy lines, then you realize that everybody out here is trying to kill you. So wow. you need to act accordingly. If you want to survive this day, the next day, you have to keep your head on the swivel and understand you are in a dangerous situation. So, first of all, if the government is broke, the police ain't trained properly, where, where do you think you're going to get any, you know, <laughs> anything out of that? Well, that's a kind of a horrible way to live, though, don't you think? You're always in a state of it's paranoia. reality. So how do we change the reality that we have all collectively created? And I'm gonna, we got a couple of other callers now. I guess everybody got a thought now. So I'm going to go to our callers. You know, I think the human being is broken, not just the system. We have lost the capacity to be human beings. Each other. Is what I'm trying to it's say. a collective responsibility. Like we're talking about the trauma of slavery. Both sides are traumatized. Both sides. Anytime you have a system that was that was kept in place by threatening to kill people if they didn't comply. Both sides are broken because what happens to you becoming that kind of person who does that to people? What what happens to people who are in prisons and you've got to be the guard over people and you're always worrying about they're going to rebel and kill you? What mindset is developed? I don't think I think police have to that has to be redefined because that whole structure evolved out of the slave patrols. And we know what that was about, put you back in slavery. So that that office, that position has to be redefined to be 
citizen friendly as opposed to a hostile occupying force. And I don't think military officers should come out and become civilian police. You're trained to kill in the military. That's not what I said. I said they had universal training. I know. I understand that. And that training cannot translate to being a police officer, which a lot of them come out of the military and that becomes a, a, a vocation for them. But the concept but it be. of universal training. Right. So that's what I'm talking about, not what they're trained to do. But, but how, the concept yes. of universal training. I agree. How do we train okay. them to think so, in terms so if, if the police service. in Chicago are doing the same thing as the police in New York, it's a universal training. I agree. I agree. Okay. Uh, if, the, if the police in New York are doing the same thing that the police in L.A. are doing, it's universal training. Right. Not, not just doing what you want to do because this is what we're allowed to do in New York this is what we're allowed to do in Chicago, and this is what we're allowed to do in L.A. I agree. But then, of course, like like it was said about the, the gun culture, well, let me go to the phone line, because until we can get rid of that, that fear-based gun culture, we're not going to fix this, because everybody's scared everybody's going to kill them. And so everybody overreacts, and so nobody is safe as long as we're living in a fear-based culture that we created. So we have to choose to uncreate it. Let me go to the phone line. And we're going to go to 773-984 and then 706-202. And if you're on our switchboard and got a comment, we're going to try to squeeze you in before we go. But let's first go to 773-984. Introduce yourself to our listening and viewing audience and give us your thoughts. Uh, good morning. It's Malonika. This is Rashida Ali. I think that we should, have, we should organize uh, our community leaders to form legislation that would keep the traumatized, especially the traumatized policemen and uh, the families of victims of violent crimes, killing, murder, unsolved, homicide. We, uh, in leadership, should get together in our own community because they from my observation and my research findings, I find that a lot of people who have been um, had family members killed, a lot of them retaliate. So that's more trauma on more families. And if we had responsible people in the community with concerns of the mental health of the people in their community, especially the African American community, where there is so many unsolved homicides. The police aren't the only ones who's killing. And by us being uh, having the right, right constitutionally to carry guns, and also they said we are three fifths of the voting group constitutionally, we don't have enough steps you know, to fight against the, the people carrying guns because that's their constitutional right to bear arms. And we don't have the right, I mean, a power because we're only three-fifths of the voting constituency, maybe less now because working on the polls, I see a lot of black folks getting votes. But we need to band together those who are intelligent and those who are responsible and those who are accountable for their community development and responsibility, they should get together 
and put pressure on their legislators to do legislation to treat the victims of unsolved homicide traumatized people so that they won't uh, be oppressed, so that others who don't have enough intelligence won't become evil or wicked and retaliative and pick up a gun emotionally and hurt someone. So we are the problem because all we do is um, make judgment and or sit back and do nothing. But in other communities, being a, a, a lobbyist one time, a federal lobbyist at one time in my life, I learned a lot. We have to put in uh, 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 accountability in order to make others accountable. I agree. So that's what I believe. I agree. Because being free well, I, I, I agree. I, I agree, okay. uh, Rashida. Definitely. Uh, the, the There's a lot of trauma in people who have been victimized or, or whose family members have been victimized, and we don't respond in the way that is helpful. That is something that's legislatable, but also something that can be done uh, by community members who simply choose, as you said, those with intelligence. We've got counselors. We've got, we've got therapists. We can organize and create the kind of structures that would reach out to people who are hurting because of trauma. And, they, and, and as it's been said, there are people who are doing that. There are organizations who are doing that. We need to empower them to do even more. Uh, let me go to area code 706-202, Grand Rising. Thank you for joining us. Give us your name, your, where you're calling from, and your comments. Assalamu alaikum, and this is Brother Kwame Sunhorse, and I'm calling you from stolen lands of the Muscogee Creek Nation here in Edenton, Georgia. And I say the stolen lands because all of this is about what was taken from a people by invaders that came in with the technology of gunpowder and lead, guns. And the thing that has happened is is that, you know, the brother was speaking about sundown towns and that they've created an environment to govern something that didn't belong to them because the earth belongs to all humans. And you had certain humans that decided to say that they were coming into a land and taking, and they were going to force their culture onto a people that were already here. And this is a perpetual thing that they have to continue doing is because the fear of what they have done to what they know was incorrect is the key that keeps them in the fear of challenging by death because there are only two forces on the planet is love and fear and in them Mm. fearing that they did not give the love and and do as the people welcome them into the land of this continent and the continent of our ancestors when they arrived into these lands they used force and they used the, the the whatever manipulation they could to have what the culture had of the people that were already there because what they lacked in the land and the culture that they lived in that they came from. So what we're seeing is a perpetual thing of them keeping the fear constant and being able to use the the different ways in which technology now is the thing to where they don't understand the wood wide web, so they had to create what they call a world wide web. 
and the part for what's happening now is we're seeing how we've submitted, but you're born free. You choose what slavery you want to be. Mm, that is true. Well, Baba Kwame, we're about to wrap up and go, but you definitely shared some great wisdom, and we have a responsibility to change the world that we have misshapen with our fear-based culture, and that is a choice that we have the free will to make. So thank you so much, Baba Kwame, uh, as always, for sharing your wisdom. Uh-oh. <laughs> I think I think our, our uh, other guests had to go. And uh, for our viewing audience, let me share a few Facebook comments regarding the 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 hostile environment. Uh, Viata says, uh, our Friday host says, not my reality. We attract negative things and we don't vibrate at a higher frequency of love, compassion, and wisdom. Yes, you most definitely can live in that reality you create. And she says, these unconscious, money-hungry politicians are a big part of the problem. And uh, and Zelda uh, from H LN TV show says we can always count on Elder Baba Kwame's son or to bring it home. Yes, he did. And she's reminding us, parents, teachers, guardians, counselors, relatives, text CHILD to 219-699-2114 for youth resources. Yes, 219-699-2114. Text CHILD to that number to get resources. Thank you so much. We appreciate all of you. And, uh, of course, Again, go to the uh, African American Images website for Dr. Dorrance Kennedy's book, Wisdom from My Father's Porch. And, Dr. Ron, tell us, before we go, we got about 30 seconds, tell us where we can get uh, your show four days a week. Uh, ASK-DR-RON.com. You'll find all show information, website Everything about me, you'll find me there. AMK-DR-RON.com. Thank you. All right. Thank you for having me. Thank you. And thank you so much. We appreciate you, and we appreciate all of you. We've come to the end of our show today. But you can hear every show in the archives at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash the-female-solution. You can also hear today's show on the Female Solution Facebook page. Go to www.facebook.com slash the-female-solution. Leave your comments about today's show. You can always reach me on my website at www.naimalatif.com. That's www.naimalatif.com. And we want to make sure we uh, let our listeners and viewers know where they can get your book. Again, give us the uh, website where they can get a copy of Wisdom from My Father's Porch. Uh, you can go to AfricanAmericanImages.com. AfricanAmericanImages.com. It's called Wisdom from My Father's Porch. All right. Well, thank you so much. We appreciate you for staying the whole show. Yes, there it is. If you're watching, you saw uh, the cover right there. Beautiful picture of a father and son. And that's really what we need. 
more fathers in the lives of our children, and that's what can make the difference. We can love them into shape, and they will not get bent out of shape. So thank you both for sharing your wisdom with us, and we look forward to having you on again. Enjoy the rest of your day. Say thanks to our global. Tashakur. Saudi Arabia. Shukran. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Thank you. And may peace be upon you and the mercy of God and God's blessing.